Nineworks Radio is back for a new series. This week, Transaxles. Nineworks Radio is your dedicated Porsche and car podcast, taking you closer than ever to the world's finest sports cars and the culture and history behind them. The show is brought to you by nineworks.co.uk, the innovative online platform for Porsche enthusiasts. Hosted by Porsche journalist Lee Sibley and 993 owner and engineer Andy Brooks, with special input from friends and experts around the industry, including you, our valued listeners. Eight. Series eight. Welcome to series eight, everybody. Good to have you back. Yes, yeah, and thank, yes. should we say a big thank you to all of our listeners and obviously all of our patrons for our little break that we've had. Um, yeah, sorry we've been away for a few weeks, but it's uh, yeah, it's good to take the mind off it for a little bit. And about you guys, it uh, yeah takes up a lot of time. Yeah, I think in order to produce awesome content, you need a little bit of time away to refresh and and kind of step out and look back in and yeah. and kind of yeah forge a direction. I think that's nice. It's actually quite rare in this day and age, like particularly within the the, the realms of digital media. Yes, it's very uh, you know just like must post must upload you know must blah, every blah, blah, day blah. every week yeah 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 i think yeah. there's something to be said for the uh the quieter approach where we do something that's a little bit more considered and, and takes a little bit of time so uh hopefully listeners will agree with that and, and 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 if you do then yeah thanks for bearing with us we hope that we will reward you handsomely with the content coming up over the next 12 episodes absolutely yeah. i think like most things that come out really well they take a bit of time and thought um you know beforehand um and it's nice to nice to allow ourselves that time to think and chat and develop uh, and then come back yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. well we've talked ourselves up enough already this episode (laughs) (laughs) Uh, what what have you been up to then guys while we've been away what what have i been oh my car's back on the road i don't know if it i guess it was wasn't it when last series but um yeah been getting it dialed in uh new tires got rid of the nankangs um got alignment done and it is driving absolutely amazing i was i wouldn't say i was disappointed when i first got it back on the road but it was, it was very punchy in the back at the back end which it skipped um, around a bit didn't it we we uh realized yeah. on the way up to caffeine and machine that time yeah yeah definitely sort of skipping around a bit um and i've solved that and it's now just yeah transformed uh, in fact, I'm looking forward to you having a little drive of it soon um, to see what you think. Yeah, um, mate, I can't wait. It just had that that brief squirt. So you uh, very kindly put together this uh, idea for what is actually going to be a feature in Total 911 uh, in the next issue. And it's looking at uh, different ways the 993 has been enhanced by uh, individuals. Yeah. Just using modern tech, really, to, to kind of boost the drivability of the car in according to different tastes and, and lifestyles. So I think, yeah, maybe if we talk about that a bit more next week yes. uh, or the week after when the magazine hits shelves. But, um, yeah, look, for, for the, the brief drive I had in your car, and, and yeah, look, I'm very looking forward to, to doing a little bit more of that in the, in the coming week or so. But, um, yeah, the, the, the brief drive I had with that car, Andy, I mean, what a transformation, mate. And, and everybody has followed your work on Instagram and seen that you've done all of this, you know, pretty much on your own. That's that's an unbelievable car, and and 
you know, driving it, there's just not one single kind of squeak or rattle on the car. And you oh, go, there is. the windscreen you know, squeaks like a bugger. No, <laughs> not, it must not, have been warm for, yeah, when you were well, driving it. Well, it, <laughs> it, it, it was, wasn't it? It, it, yeah. it was. I mean, it did. It chucked it down at one stage, but it was roasting hot still. We, we really were blessed with a tremendous summer in the UK here. But no, I mean, like for, for, for a car that's like nearly 30 years old, um, it, it felt like a new car in the way it was together. And and the way it rides, Andy, is sublime. You know, we spoke about how flat that car corners. It's yeah. kind of crazy, really. And I think just kind of goes to show just how rewarding replacing suspension parts can be uh, from behind the wheel. You know, it's not yes. something you particularly notice yeah. when you first look at the car or anything like that. But yeah. everybody sort of chases engine mods, don't they, for more power, Um yeah, but the su- suspension side of it is so important yeah. um, in your actual enjoyment of the car. Yeah, yeah. De- definitely. An engagement on the road. We spoke before about, you know, these these older cars just have a lovely power to wait for for fast road driving. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's, there's no need to really mess with that, in my view, not significantly, but just improving how the car handles and shoring it up with modern technology yeah. is absolutely one of the most uh, rewarding things you can do, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, it takes a certain amount of commitment, doesn't it, to spend, you know, a lot of time and money on a car that's going to look exactly the same afterwards. <laughs> it does. Um, that is but true. it's absolutely the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and you chat to people who have done those sort of things. They say, God, you know, I spent, you know, all this money, you know, and you can't tell. And you say, yeah, but how's it drive? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, it does. And, and you know, as I say, you know, three decades old nearly, but that car has just got zero slop to it. Uh, yeah. whether it's you know the, the gear change it's directional changes how it rides um i mean it's it's firm but it's nowhere near crashy nowhere near as crashy as mine um so you know again testing yeah i reckon we can dial that, that out though because um on yours be nice to yeah, yeah you know, that's... i think we need to play around with your shock settings because i you know when i played around with mine yeah um i went for the standard you know they come with factory settings as they recommend them for the 993 c2 yeah um from kw uh front was fantastic out of the box that felt really good just flat uh soaked up the bumps as you'd want it to um just a million miles different to what i had on there before i mean i was constantly kind of bottoming out before and just yeah felt pretty much out of control even though i did think at the time oh this this feels all right but yeah <laughs> on reflection it felt shocking yeah so the front was great but the back just felt not right, even with those standard settings. But I've had a, a little play with those. I think I showed you, I've made up a little sheet to record the different settings that I do. Such so a good that idea. So I can that. learn, you know, I can understand what's what's going on with the changes that I make. Yeah, I feel like KW should do that themselves, really. Yeah, I think it's, I'll it's, send... a, it's a lot of kit and not everyone kind of gets it and understands how that works. And, and I mean, I have, I've got lost with yes. it. Yes. So yeah. what what your sheet there is is fantastic for just marking down the different settings and and how they felt yeah in, you know at the wheel yeah what I've done is I've put um, I've done some little diagrams that show what the settings are doing because I couldn't I was reading the instructions from KW and I was getting bits confused and not understanding how many clicks you could adjust on this bit to that bit and it was just blowing my mind I was like what. I don't understand what I'm doing, but yeah. once I broke it down into sort of diagrams and then um, a, a, a chart that I can fill out, it's now starting to make sense in the, the actual adjustments that I'm making. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a miracle difference. 
it just yeah. feels fantastic now. That's so a great, very political approach, I think, Andy, because the science of suspension or the black art of suspension, you know, when you put, when you have access to lots of uh, options of things that you can tweak from ride out to compression to, to, to rebound, yeah. you know, high and low speed rebound and all, all sorts of things, you know, you can really get, you can really get lost and you can really, you can really bugger things up. Yeah. Um, so to take that methodical approach is, is really, really sensible. And maybe Lee, if you've got a bit lost, maybe you just need to go back to a, to a, to a base setting and kind of start, start again. Yeah. And no, I, I agree, Max. I mean, what, what I will say with the, the V3s, <clears throat> excuse me, the KW V3s on my car, they, uh, I left them uh, factory setting for ages, but I found the whole thing was very firm anyway. I feel like those settings, I've said this on the podcast before, I feel like those settings are, um relatable to european roads where they're billiard table smooth um fantastic but where you know when we've got uh you know our roads here which are anything but billiard table smooth it's just really crashy great on track don't get me wrong like really good but um you know percentage of track driving versus uh weekend blast it's it's severely weighted to the latter Hmm. so um although we are going to europe next weekend so you know obviously won't be fiddling with it anytime soon you know because the 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 roads in france and germany are just so much better than than here so it will perform admirably as it did in july excellent cool so you're off off to europe next week yep so we're doing the uh the long-awaited i think it's fair to say the long-awaited uh road trip for porsche 996s back home to porsche platz at zuffenhausen so uh we've got nine 996s on a pilgrimage to celebrate as i say back home to celebrate a quarter of a century of uh, of the fifth generation 911 and the first water cooled so uh, yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to that and it kind of coincides really nicely with the first birthday of nine works as well so uh personally yeah. and professionally speaking it, it's um i think it's going to mean quite a lot to me actually and and to kind of go out there which was you know we launched nine works at the top of the Porsche museum yeah. in uh, the third week of September, 2021. So to kind of, to go back there with some uh, nine works comrades that appreciate these cars as much as I do. Oh, that's a really, a really special thing. I think that's going to be really good. Really, really good. Yeah. And no, I think, so, I mean, we've, we've got, um, we've got a really cool route lined up, which, you know, I won't, talk about now because there's a lot of um a lot of work that's gone into to set up what we've got but what i will say is uh, next year and, and maybe beyond we'll offer it out to to other cars you know porsche and particularly us here at nine works as you guys know we're inclusive not exclusive so uh away from this 25th anniversary of 996 it'd be nice to allow others to come on that as well and, mm. and to, and oh, to share thanks, mate sharing that road so i mean yeah andy your 993 over there on those roads will just be absolutely unbelievable sir unbelievable yeah um with what you've done with it and yeah max as well like you know the same this is this is the thing it's got a bit of everything for all of these cars so yeah no no i'd uh i'd, I'd love to do that I, I do love a euro road trip yeah yeah you do but you love an event as well so you've been busy in the off season attending uh yeah most things at weekends by the looks of it <laughs> <laughs> well you know i've I'm quite lucky where I live in the middle of the country that I've got you access are, to quite you? a good few uh, events. You know, I'm so close to Bicester and, you know, I can get to, I can get to all sorts of good things. <laughs> but, but actually, you know, since we, you know, since we closed off the, you know, the last season and did the summer special and that sort of thing, my sort of car related thoughts have been dominated a bit by a sort of shaking in my faith in Porsche. 
um oh. you know i've been on a sort of journey thinking that i want to be able to do all of my motoring and any motoring that i do by porsche you know so that was a reason behind getting them a can and that sort of thing it's really good but over the summer i've had trouble and strife with both of my cars um i've had some quite extensive fortunately warranty work done on the mccann um which was a real pain um and would have been very expensive if i'd had to um you know if i'd had to pay for it myself um and uh, i've got a little bit of grief with the 991 as well so you know during all of that i was kind of reminded that our little faithful 2013 bmw 3 series touring has been pretty much faultless in the six years that we've owned it and i thought god maybe i shouldn't be you know fully committed to to porsche maybe i need to keep a bmw in my life um so yeah that's been an interesting thought process surely it's you know the yeah the 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 reward is only as significant as the investment well i do take your point and i agree to a certain extent but with a mccann s diesel family wagon i don't want any grief from that right now i don't want any grief from that yeah uh so uh yeah yeah so that's been an interesting interesting time i mean when i bought the mccann you know i was aware of you know all all cars not just porsches all cars have you know potential known niggles don't they you know that's uh, that's just a thing isn't it um so that's one of the reasons why i bought my mccann for an opc because i wanted the security of the two-year warranty and man has that ever come into come into play yeah um but because it happened during the summer holiday it was just massive pain in the ass and i just thought oh man maybe i should have got that x3 m40i instead (laughs) (laughs) i have to say max the say the saying usually is uh if it's fast flies or floats it will cost you but you can't really say you can't really attain that kind of thing to uh or pertain it to a mccann can you like diesel so no but you know the idea you know one of the nice things about the mccann is being able to do family portioning you know, to pile lots of people into it. And when we went to, um, you know, I met Andy at the Collecting Cars Coffee Run thing at Bistro on Sunday, there were some people who turned up in McCann's and they were in the lineup there with the Porsches, you know, part of the community as all Porsches are yeah. um, and should be. And I, you know, that's one of the things that I like about, you know, and I say it to Mandy and the kids, you know, we're, we're family Porsching in this McCann, you know, and that's part of the reason family. to have it. And I love it. Uh, so, but, but yeah, it did, it did, it did, it did grind my gears. We're, we're family portioning, aren't we, dear? Aren't we? <laughs> say, say it, say it, we're family portioning. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, but, and yeah, just a little thanks actually to James Watt at Porsche Centre Silverstone, who's my sort of point man there. And he, uh, he, um, he handled all the stuff with the McCann and, and it's back and it's running and it's actually running. It's so it had the transfer box done. You know, let's not beat around the bush. You know, that's the, that's the, that's the known potential problem with those cars. And I think Cayenne's as well. Um, and, and it's had that done and it actually runs, uh, better and more smoothly oh, than nice. it ever has done before. So it's, you know, so there must have been a bit of an underlying issue there. Then. Yeah. There was an underlying issue, which I, felt and and i thought guys this just you know not as refined a diesel as perhaps say a bmw yeah uh, but but there was an emerging issue with the transfer box uh which actually they you know which i you know i i, I didn't know that that's what it was but over the course of investigating the problem with the ad blue which is a diesel thing so it's my fault for having a diesel yeah um you know that came to light as well and the whole lot's been done and the car's absolutely sweet as a nut and um you know Lovely. i do Lovely. i do love it but it did test me yeah okay. well look, it's uh yeah it's nice to know that you've been having an absolute howler in the off season <laughs> anyway so talking uh, of the um collecting cars thing 
Uh-huh. Um, obviously, we both went to that on on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of those uh, the Tut Hill cars, which were nine nine threes underneath? My my first impression of those is that I would not have realised that they were nine nine three based cars. Yeah. Um. Certainly not. Uh, first of all, um, and had someone not told me, I may not have tricked at all. And um, I mean, I don't want to upset anyone here, but you know, hitherto I've not seen a, you know, a 993 backdate that I thought looked any good. Absolutely uh, agree with And that. these Tuts cars, they look fantastic, especially yeah. the Peppermint one, which looks like an IROC car. Yes. Um, yeah. I, th- I think they're pretty mega, I've got to say. Yeah, I did as well. Oh, yeah, I've not, um, yeah, as you said, not to, not to um, pee anybody off, but I've not really seen a 993 backdate that does it for me visually they always seem to look a little bit wrong but i thought these and they're different as well they're not trying to be a long hood you mm. know everybody else is trying to copy the the, the singer really let's be let's be honest about yeah. it but this yeah. is yeah something it's it, it's its own thing um and executed extremely well i thought i thought yeah. it looked, i thought they looked amazing yeah. and nice details as well they're like the interiors and the colorways that they've used in that burgundy car and it had this sounds totally wrong i mean you had was it green blue and uh burgundy parts in the interior yeah that that sounds like an absolute visual mess doesn't it from a description but when you saw it in actual real life it looked fantastic yeah real quality stuff and imaginative design and use of color so yeah i was very impressed yeah yeah really good they're they're quite something i'm looking forward to reading about how they drive Um, yeah you know lee look forward to you getting some seat time in or kyle or someone and writing about it in the mag i'm keen to i'm keen to 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 learn more about them yeah yeah absolutely absolutely so that's what we've been up to in the off season it's time now to talk about this episode to really kick off the new series and it's all about transaxles now we've threatened to do an episode on transaxle porsches for quite a while now so to make up for lost time strap yourself in because this one is a big one we're going to talk about our own opinions here on the team uh, regards transaxle porsches we are going to get technical advice from an expert in industry to give you advice on running and certainly buying one Andy and I have also been busy behind the wheel of some transaxle yeah. cars in the last week. So we're going to share some drive notes on that. And Andy, you and I haven't discussed what we think yet. Yeah, yeah. Purposely didn't, did we? Exactly that. Yeah. So that's going to be... let it all out of the bag. So. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. And then we're going to finish up with some uh, personal accounts from owners who own a couple of 944s. Um, yeah, just to highlight the ownership experience of these cars. So let's get stuck in um straight off the bat guys what are your what are your thoughts on transaxles i can't believe how long they've been around <laughs> it's in, in my research and how long the uh the lifespan of them was um so i believe that they actually started designing them in 1972 which when you think about that that's like only what's that uh seven years after the porsche 911 came out mm-hmm just yeah. craziness. You think of them being so much newer than that. I don't know what your your takes on it. Do you do you think they're that old? They go back that far? Doesn't well, seem like it, does it? Back when I was a kid, you know, when I lived in the northeast, so I really was young. My GP or our family GP, Doctor Penrice, 
he had a silver 924 Carrera GT. Wow. So, you know, one of the transaxle halo cars. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, my dad was always pretty excited about that. Um, and he liked you know, going to the doctors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It was always parked outside. You know, I can Brilliant. even, you know, I was, what, we, we moved there when I was four and left when I was eight. But I can, you know, I could probably take you if we went to Gateshead. I'd probably yeah. be able to get you to that. You know, it might not even be a, a GP anymore. And I'm sure Dr. Penrice has long since retired and his career GT is long since gone. But, you know, I can, I can picture it in my mind's eye. Um, so, you know, that was, you know, another car that my dad was responsible for switching me onto. Yeah. I always thought it was cool, you know, and it had, you know, the impact on him was that he eventually bought a 944, you know, so, you know, it, it piqued his interest that much. So I've always been aware of them and I always thought, yeah, you know, that's kind of interesting though. You know, so yeah, interesting cars. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, very much so. So um just as a kind of quick historical uh look at the cars, we know that uh it was the transaxle cars that were destined to take over from the 911 at kind of the top of the Porsche tree. This being pushed by the uh CEO of, of the time, Dr. Ernst Furman. And he left and at the start of the 1980s, so 1981, the American Petter Schutt took over the company as CEO. And as, as the famous story goes, uh, on his first day or in, within his, his first couple of days at the company, he made the decision to continue 911 production, which would at the time uh, have finished before the SC um, or at the SC and, and, and continue with 911 production and have the transaxle cars going alongside the 911 production line rather than replacing them. Uh, the transaxle cars, therefore, which came into uh, production in 1976, that spanned two decades to 1995, they weren't actually made at Stuttgart, so far as I know. They were made elsewhere at an Audi plant. Oh. Yeah, I, I think that's that. right, yeah. Yeah, uh, Neckersalm, I've read, but I, I've probably butchered or certainly anglicised the pronunciation of that. Um, <laughs> so they were they were made for away from uh, from Zuffenhausen. Yeah, the 928 was designed by, well, was under the wing of Harm Lagai. Um, I believe it started design in 1972 as a VW-funded um, project. Um, which uh, is, 94, which, you said 928. Sorry, 92. I'm getting very confused here. 928. You're quite right. Um, and that was called the EA425. That was actually ready for production for VW in 1974, uh, but they bailed on, on releasing it due to the oil crisis. And it then became a, a Porsche product and was released in 1976. Yeah, I think people uh, unfairly criticized the 924 saying it's not really a Porsche it's a Volkswagen yeah um, you know it's got a truck engine and that sort of thing but you know you're absolutely right and and it was you know it, it was a it was a Volkswagen brief but it was designed by Porsche, by Porsche yeah. people yeah. with Porsche DNA and you know Porsche absolutely you know intellectual some... property if you like so when it came back to be a Porsche as we as the 924 if you know it it's undoubtedly a Porsche. Yeah, it's a very similar story actually to the nine one four, isn't it? You know, mm. That was designed as a as a, a VW by Porsche. Yeah, so, yeah very similar story. Um, I believe the nine two eight was actually designed by sort of a separate team. There was some cross, you know, they saw sketches of each other's designs, but I don't believe they were actually um, related. You know, there's no there's no sort of actual. You took a nine two four and made it into a 928 uh, it's quite a different design yeah, it's a more sophisticated car underneath certainly isn't it absolutely well, and mechanically yeah. yeah very different underneath 
Um, just yeah, so to, to add to that with the um, like sophistication, particularly in like the way the car rides, it was the 928 that introduced the Visac rear axle. Yes. Um, as well on that. So the 924 was a four cylinder, the 928 was an eight cylinder. Um, sometime after the 924, we had the 944 come along, it's in for 1982. So again, just for like uh, relativity, that's at the end of 911 SC production. And the 944 was built to bridge the gap between the 924 and, and 911 SC, um, certainly in terms of like that, that, that price point, really, I suppose, as well as performance um some other notes i've got here 924 was the best-selling sports car in the world at the time did yeah. uh did better than the 911 um and in 1978 uh the 928 was european car of the year which is an accolade that the 911 has never claimed yeah yeah I i'm yeah. not sure any other sports car has ever claimed it since actually wow there we I go th i think the 928 is 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 alone in that yeah 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 I mean, the, the 928 was pretty rad, wasn't it? In 1977, when that was, yeah, that re really did. That was a spaceship, wasn't it? It was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely. And it's something that uh, the guys at Nardone Automotive, as Thierry told us uh, last episode, that's something that he just really kind of wanted to harness with his reimagining of the 928, uh, you know, for, for, for modern times. And actually, yeah. when you you look at that as a as a project and you think okay well, that's you know that's outside the box in not being a 911 it's a it's a reimagining of a different porsche and you go well yeah it, it, bear in mind it won european car of the year at the time it has provenance already so it's a great base to work from you know so yeah, definitely um something else i found as well so um in total according to what i have seen there were 400,000 transaxle porsche cars built um, over that two decade period 1976 to 1995 so that basically spans the start of 930 turbo production and ceases when the vario ram technology was introduced on the 993 so we're really yeah. getting towards the end of the air cooled life so 400,000 uh, transaxle cars built now compare that that in the same time porsche made of course the sc 911 sc the 32 carrera the 930 the 964 and the 993 generation 911s total production of all of those eras came to 269,900 wow. so there really were a lot of transaxle Porsches yeah. being punted out over that period you know they they, they were popular yeah it's amazing isn't it Amazing. big numbers big yeah. big numbers and actually um, when when the saying goes regards to you know 70 percent of Porsches are still on the road today you know I do wonder if um, a large proportion of of that 30% might be the transaxle cars because you just don't see them with anywhere the same kind of um uh commonality i suppose as 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 those sorts of build numbers would yeah. suggest yeah i'd be interested to see how much of those how many of those do survive is in a percentage wise wouldn't it definitely 911 yeah it's definitely. very different um something that i uh found out was that obviously harmla guy was involved in the, the original design work of the nine in 1972 when it was a vw design project um, he was only 25 at the time um towards the end of transaxle design obviously we had the 968 um and he was involved in the redesign at that time so bringing a family face all the idea was to bring a family face into the into the cars so you had the 968 the 928 gts and the 993 mm -hmm. When you think of if you are actually to line up those three cars um in a line 
You'll see a family face, and that was Harmler Guy's um, influence um, in those three cars to bring a family face into the to, to the line of Porsche cars. Because obviously, before they all looked very different. Definitely, yeah, and that that kind of homogeny of uh, of of those kind of fronts of the cars. Um, actually, you can involve the nine five nine in that cluster as well, and and to Absolutely. a greater or lesser extent, the nine six four as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, real kind of interesting time of car design that yeah. uh, Porsche would come back to, of course, later on for for water cooling at the start at the start of that generation or that era. Yeah, um, um. So what? Oh, go on, Max. The nine six eight is interesting car, isn't it? it or oh, even in transactions, transactional transaxle terms easy for you it's almost say. a bit of a forgotten car isn't it especially outside of the club sport but the 968 is a really handsome car uh you know when you think of 968 in your mind's eye you know invariably you think of a yellow club sport with yellow wheels but actually if you go and look at at a 968 in a more contemporary you know dark metallic like you might expect a 993 in that's a that's a handsome car a 968 coupe i i look at them and i think oh yeah that that really is nice you know they the the front end of the 944 was already tidied up quite a lot on the s2 you know the later cars but the back was still there was still quite a lot going on um you know in, in a sort of g series kind of way if, you, if i can draw that analogy but the back but the 968 is a really smooth design at the back and it's a it's a good looking car yeah, go, see, go, go and google it yeah, I'm not sure I agree with that, Max. Really, yeah, I, I, I no, I don't, and I, I think this is the 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 issue that possibly blights transaxle cars, certainly aesthetically, for a few people. Is it comes from a company that created such a svelte sports car to look at in the 911, yeah. um, and I just think other cars, particularly the 968, by comparison, look pretty fussy. And and it just not quite cohesive in in that it it lacks that really nice kind of flowing line um, that that the 911 has. And I think if somebody else had designed that car, and it, this is this is my own thoughts, if somebody else would des- had designed that car, uh, if it had came, if it had hailed from a different company, I might look at it differently. But I think because it comes from the company that created the 911, I'm kind of yeah, I don't know. For me, I'm left scratching my head a little bit. It doesn't quite sit too right for me yeah no i get that i get that yeah 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 you know and 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 by the same comparison and and i'd like to go on to discuss our views of transaxle cars anyway because you know andy and i have have, have driven a couple this week from patrons which has been epic yeah, and thanks, uh, guys. Re- yeah really really enjoyed it but i just think yeah with um with the looks again and even the 928 so there was a lovely example at porsche bournemouth at the start of the year and uh, we were doing something there with a couple of 930 turbos. And in isolation, the 928 just looks stunning. And like you said, Andy, earlier on in the pod, looked like a spaceship. And you can imagine how that would have been, um, you know, received at the time. But I think yeah. the very worst thing you could do with a 928 is exactly what we did and parked a 930 turbo right next to it. <laughs> um, you know, so again, this turbo that's kind of very svelte and elegant in its lines, but also quite muscular and, and all the rest of it um the 928 sitting next to it by comparison looked like a bar of soap <laughs> um and, you know no i don't that's just my own opinion you know i yeah. uh, don't want to be disrespectful to anybody that own no car owns those cars but that's just kind of highlights for me kind of what i mean in terms of that they both come from the same company and i find that a little bit i don't know i i i find that hard to process because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they are just so different yeah i suppose i i contextualize it in a, in a different way or historically have done insofar as 
um, you know, I sort of put the 9-11 uh, in a different place, look at that in a different way. When I've been thinking about and looking at transaxle cars um, as a, you know, as a potential purchase or as an enthusiast, you know, I've been thinking, you know, would I try and buy a 968 or would I get a contemporary M3? Yeah. yeah, so that's the comparison I've been drawing. Yeah. So, but I'd have those, you know, I think, oh, you know, could I, or maybe I'd get an E36 M3, or shall I get a 968? Yeah, and it's those kind of, you know, I've never thought, shall I get a 968 or a 911? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I haven't quite, you know, I was, you know, that, that, that's, that, I suppose that's where I've been looking at, you know, otherwise, you know, if I take your point completely, if you line up a 911, I'm going to be, um, yeah, that's that's where I'm going to be heading for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I agree with that completely, Max. You know, and it, and it's wrong to compare the cars to a 911. Um, the only thing I, I feel is kind of prudent to say to that um, as a response is that you know these cars were going to replace the 911. Yeah, and yeah, I know yeah. they were slightly different um, in in kind of their intended use and, and outputs, but that really was the the car that was going to replace the 911. And and all we can all say is. Thank God the late great Peter Schutz intervened and, and, and history intervened and, and kept the 911 going. Um, because that's obviously such a special car as we know it to be. But yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree with you that it's it's wrong to compare the two yeah. the two cars without a doubt. Yeah. So um yeah. yeah, and you're absolutely right as well. You know, were it not for that, you know, maybe we three wouldn't be sat here now, you know, had the nine eleven exactly been, that. been replaced, you know, may yeah, I think you know, history but for car enthusiasts would would look really different, you know. Who knows what would be on my driveway? Um, but it is interesting. I did think the other day when I was I was looking at some transaxle stuff, looking at the way that the nine two eight was uh, described from a marketing perspective and what it was supposed to do and how it was going to sit and where the way people were supposed to use it. If you look at that uh, copy from the late seventies, it actually feels a bit like a nine nine two. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we've maybe we've gone full circle. <laughs> that's yeah, a really good point the, it was before it's time <laughs> yeah yeah so that's a, that's a really good point that's a really good point um in in you know kind of yeah similarity with to the 992 they're quite big cars as well aren't they like they're noticeably yeah. bigger than than the other cars that porsche was ma- were making at the time um but yeah look i I've, interesting to know what your thoughts are on them but i feel like i've been you know and having said what i've just said i feel like i've been really enlightened this week and and pleasantly surprised by uh, the virtues of a transaxle car. Um, Andy, you and I drove a 968 Club Sport yesterday from a non-white's Patreon. And, uh, you know, yeah, again, pleasantly surprised. And and for me, a 944 2.5 earlier in the week from Andy Gregory, who we're going to get on shortly. And uh, loved it. Loved it. Yeah. In totally different experience. Um, what? What? It was interesting getting, I tell you what, getting into it. I don't know what you felt like, but obviously I'm a bit of an older man. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The door aperture on the 968 felt tiny compared to my 993. So you had to sort of thread your legs in and then, yeah, as being a club sport, it was a pole position seat. So obviously that added to the the ingress um, difficulty. But yeah, just the, and I think you got out of the 928, uh, Sorry, nine six eight at one point and whacked your shoulder on the the B the A pillar on the A pillar, yeah, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> you just didn't expect it to be there. So the door aperture is really quite small. So yeah, not the easiest thing to get into for for my old bones. Um, but once in, yeah, bonnet feels long. Um, I had their pop ups <clears throat> in front of me, so you could see those quite a long way out. It sort of reminded me of um, BMW Z four that my wife had that was you know very long bonnet 
on it. So quite different to a, to a 911. Um, it didn't feel big around me. It felt quite, um, yeah, nicely around. Yeah, I didn't feel as though it was large. It just felt nice, but not as small as a, a 993, you know, like reach across to the door, the other door, and you. that's really sort of just like a nice little cocoon, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was an interesting one to get in and start driving. Um, we always talk about the 911 and the scattering of switches over the dashboard and how weird that is. <laughs> I found the 968 even bizarre. I did, did you? Yeah, yeah, I think there's a fantastic game to play, which is find the headlight button yes, or, di- or di- dial because, yeah. like, there's no way you're finding everywhere. that within the ten seconds. There were switches that were like over on the passenger side, and then there was some over here. And yeah, the headlight switch was in the position I've never seen a headlight switch in before. It was quite. I tell you what, that would you know where uh, these panic rooms have become quite popular, where you know in teams you go in and they have to get out in a certain amount of time. I think you should chuck a person into like a a nine two eight nine four four nine six eight and go right. You've got thirty seconds. Play the countdown music and you've got to find like the headlight button. Go. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> the handbrake. How about yeah, the handbrake? The handbrake. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't think many people are getting out alive. <laughs> no. So the handbrake is uh, like by the door sill rather than in the middle. Which is the same as the Carrera GT, I have to say. Okay, okay. I'm not drawing a different Carrera GT. But uh, yeah, that was that was quite like, where the hell is it? Is it electric? No, it can't be electric. It's, it's way too old to be electric. Oh, there it is down there. <laughs> so yeah, it's quite, uh, it's, an in- it's definitely interesting. Almost um, had an interest in it as a bit like a Saab, the old Saab 900. Yeah. It felt like that to me in that the... The way that the dash binnacle is in front of you, a very similar sort of architecture of weirdness going on. Because so I think they have the, the handbrake in, in a weird place, don't they? They definitely have the ignition switch in a weird place. So, mm. yeah, that's probably what it felt like to me was an old Saab 900 getting into. Did the, did the 968 that you both drove, did that have bucket seats? Yes. Yeah. Had yeah, had yeah. Did that have anything to do with how hard it was to get in? Like, yeah, that definitely, hard, it, the challenge definitely of getting added in to out. it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the aperture is definitely smaller than a, a 911. There's no doubt about it. The door length is quite small, I'd say. And that's um, 968 Club Sport is one of the, um, you know, I as I think of, along with, uh, you know, the 924 Carrera GT um, and 928 GTS as a, as a transaxle halo car. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, when it came out, I remember from the auto car road tests, you know, how highly regarded it was as a you know as a driving machine yeah so what you know what's a contemporary experience of it like yeah so the driving i've um we blasted down some lovely little country lanes um and it just soaked up the country lanes really well i'd say that um it felt planted there was there was no moment where i was feeling you know, like it was going to head off into the hedge or anything like that. It was uh, extremely well planted and seemed to soak up all the bumps very well and felt very competent. Um, as far as the engine's concerned, it really revved out quite nicely towards the top end. Uh, not too much emotion for me from the four pot. Uh, it had that typical sort of 1980s, 90s, when I'd say like, 
the nineties thing where engines became more muted because you had the cat catalytic converters came in, uh, bigger exhausts. It was almost a bit, um, let's make everything quiet, wasn't it? And that, that, that took away the emotion for me. I don't know about you, Lee, what you thought of that nine, six, eight. And yeah. That no, was it, different to the nine, two, four, actually an engine note. Yeah. And um, well, Andy's got an aftermarket exhaust on his nine, four, four. So it sounded quite nice actually. And um, yeah. yeah, I agree. It was, it was kind of quite, uh, muted. Um, I agree with a lot of your sentiments, particularly with the way the car, uh, you know, road, particularly with it being a club sport, um, it soaked up lumps and bumps really quite elegantly, actually. Yeah. Um, which I was surprised with given the fact it was a club sport, of yes, course. Yeah. Um, because they've yeah, got the, a reputation of being the track hound, didn't they? But yeah, I no, it was didn't, a really good B road blaster. Agreed. I, I completely yeah. agreed. Um, I, I didn't find that at all. Um, you know, those cars, they're so well naturally balanced and obviously that was kind of half the point of it was to put, you know, the engine in the front and the transmission in the back. And they were, they were looking for like near on 50, 50 weight distribution. Um, it's, it's, it was, you, you approach it completely different to driving a 911, you know, you're, you're not kind of so focused on, uh, you know, waiting up the front end. It, it's just, um, it's already there for you really. And then I just find, it allows you to just push a little bit more a little bit sooner than you would dare to in a six cylinder car or certainly a 911 um regards to the, yeah the engine i i agree i think the four pot um it obviously lacks the inertia lower mm. down the rev range compared to a six pot porsche but again to my mind that just invites you to just really rev it out and to just cling on to those revs and actually i found that i was also changing gear a lot more in the transaxle cars yes, yeah. compared to the 911 for that very reason really so i found that as a as a, a usable fun car to drive on the road in this country i found that really engaging um and actually so the club sport was quite a low mileage car i think it was 40 odd thousand yeah, uh, miles on, on the clock I think it's worth talking about the actual gear shift considering, you know, the, 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 the funny layout of, of yeah. these cars. And, and I think it's, um, I found the whole thing quite positive as an observation. It lacked the fluidity that you would get in a nine eleven of the period. Yeah. Um, and there was almost like a three stage to it. There was like, um, a notch coming out of the gear. You then felt a notch going through the gate. And then there was a notch as you kind of hammered it home into the new, um the new gear and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just rather than a yeah, yeah. into a new gear it was a clunk clunk clunk, clunk yeah. second to third third to fourth clunk 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 and i quite liked it because it gave you a lot of feel you yeah really yeah. you know you could feel what was going on there and it was it was smooth into the gate it was really nice really kind of really nice in that regard but uh yeah there was there was like three stages in terms of the feel each time and and i've not had that before in a porsche you know yeah yeah so that that was that was kind of the other thing that i found really but yeah yeah like i say i, I enjoyed it because you just you 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 drive the cars fast quickly whereas you know say a six-cylinder car i think you have to build into it it takes you a little bit of time to get your head around how to drive a 911 particularly a classic one you know and uh you've got the the 911 nose bob um you can point the car with the accelerator pedal and whatever all of that goes out the window with these cars um 
so yeah totally different car and I, I found it really engaging and i actually kind of started to understand why somebody like Derek bell who's driven all sorts has never really been too kind of fussed by 911s and obviously loves his uh 924s at uh, yeah. carrera gts yeah. yeah yeah i can i can see why he would enjoy that as a, as a as a car quite high on engagement i think it's a car that you would really bond with over time so it's not something that you that would really impress the first time you drove it so it was yeah i felt like i needed more time that that had potential to really understand it to really uh yeah get how you could drive it how much you could trust it and i think yeah it's got such potential to then tune in the way that you would want it so i, I can really see the sort of the the basis of it i didn't fall in love with it yeah straight away but i could see that i could fall for it yeah um in time so uh, okay with with all that in mind just thinking about that particular car or that you know the 968 club sport is that a car you know as a as a as an enthusiast who you know i'm, I'm including myself here who can't afford a gt3 or an rs product you know niche models that gets that get highlighted as you know, enthusiast focused, you know, re really interesting geeky Porsches. And I'm thinking uh, Cayman R in here as well yeah. as 968 Club Sport. Does the 968 Club Sport have a, you know, a, a, is there something special about it where you think, okay, so I, you know, I've got my, you know, someone like me, I've got a series production 911, which is fantastic. Um, does the 968 Club Sport represent, you know, an interesting niche? Is it a special car that you could have alongside something like that, you know, and 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 get that, you know, not GT3 or RS specialness, but there's a niche and an intrigue to it, you know, like the 987 Cayman R and things like that. You know, is there something special about it? Well, that's a great question, Max. Mm. That's a great question because, I, I mean, I would say, you know, any any one of those cars, and it goes back to the point I said where, you know, Derek Bell has raced everything. So he's road car. He doesn't need a car that's pretending to be a race car. Just wants something that's kind of fun and engaging on, on the road that he can get stuck into, which, you know, hence the 924 Crow GTS. I feel like really to a greater or lesser extent, you could do that with any of the transaxle cars. Um, the club sport as well. It's a bit funny, isn't it? Because even if you think of the 3.2 Carrera club sport, you know, it didn't have that RS uh, name and it didn't have that name for a reason. It wasn't the full fat. Mm. Um, I think the 968 goes a little bit further in the sense it's got pole positions and everything else. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it, I don't know. I'm not sure how special that felt. I think I was just judging it as, okay, this is a benchmark for um, transaxle cars. And having driven the 944 2.5 last week, which is 163 horsepower, you know, in line four cylinder uh porsche car you know i i didn't jump out of the 968 if i'm honest and go well that is a quantum leap over over the okay. 944 i didn't yeah. i didn't feel that but i think what what both cars did do is underline the virtues of the the transaxle cars and actually andy i my thoughts are completely um the opposite to yours in fact where i i think that those cars reveal their reveal their character to you straight away okay. whereas it's the 911 that takes a bit of time and a lot of people drive a 911 first time and they they don't like it they don't get it yeah you, do get had, that a lot. Yeah. you know and I've, I've had people email me at the mag and say you know i've read t911 i'm really keen to get involved 
in this culture, but I tried the car and unfortunately it's not for me, you know, or I've bought a car and I'm just not gelling with it. And my first thing is always, I say to people, go and get a, a geo done because the geo is probably out and, yeah. and a good geo is really a difference between a good and a bad 911 and how it drives. But there is still a certain way that they respond and how they need to be driven. So I think it's that car that takes a bit of time to kind of really get to low and get to understand. I only, I genuinely, I feel like I have really got to understand how my 996 drives in the last year. Mm-hmm. And I've owned that car for four years. Mm. Genuinely. Like I feel like I was saying this to Paul Van der Loen at Classic Motor Hub a couple of weeks ago. I, I feel like that car, when I drive that, is an extension of me. I know yeah. everything about it. And that takes a long time to get there. Whether it's the transaxle cars, what I loved is jump in and it was saying straight away, come on, come on then, let's, let's go. Okay. Let's maybe, go, you know, uh, yeah, where I've, cause I've driven your 996 quite a bit now, driving down to Le Mans and stuff. Maybe I'm a bit more, um, cause when I jumped into back into yours after the 968, I was like, oh yeah, this feels like home compared yeah. to the 968. You know, yeah. I understood yeah. it. I felt, I knew what, what could go on. Yeah. Um, maybe it's helped where you've driven to this week. That's that gave you the, the sort of bit of a step up on the nine, six, eight experience and knew what to it, knew what to expect. Yeah. Uh, possibly, yeah I just mate. felt it. Yeah. I felt that I needed more time with it and to gel with it, but I felt that there was potential there yeah. for it to become very enjoyable. Yeah, that's quite interesting. I, I I just think it's a brilliant road car. I, I'm not sure I'd want to. I think for a track, I'd just prefer a nine eleven. Um, I I I, th- I think a, a nine four four or a nine six eight, whatever. I think that could embarrass a few nine elevens out on the road. Definitely, mm, yeah, definitely. Um, and again, you know, just highlights just how far reaching this culture is. You know, that it's it's quite astonishing, really, that they all fall under the same brand in a way. And and you know. It, yeah. It's a, a little bit indifferent to what I said at the start with the looks. I'm not completely taken by the looks on on any of the transaxle cars. It has to be said, um, and I, I don't quite, I can't get on with the seating positions. I'm not sure how you found it, Andy, but I found that in both of them, you sat up quite high, which you did in contemporary 911s. Um, but my knees were wedged right under the wheel, and yeah. there's there's no adjustment there, and I couldn't really do a lot about. Yeah, that. I wanted so, to move the wheel up. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah up and out the way. Yeah, you know, and I'm 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 you know not by any stretch the tallest bloke in the world. Um, so that was a, that was a bit of an issue with me, and I think from an ownership experience, I might find that a little bit of a deal breaker actually over time. Uh, but having said that, just yeah, in terms of how they drive, I was so pleasantly surprised, and actually, I can't believe the scale of my own negligence that in you know 10 years or 11 years now in the industry i've kind of never really given them a second look so yeah public apology (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting to hear that those those comments or or feelings uh, about the club sport particularly because i was interested to ask you about that but i've also been really interested to hear what both of you said about the motor about the four cylinder because the only reason or the main reason why i haven't got a 944 in my you know in my automotive journey you know t- towards 911 is the fact that it's a four cylinder yeah. and i as as i grew up you know the influence of my dad and the cars that we owned um i really wanted to own a six cylinder car you know we had we had a golf vr6 as our family car sounded fantastic uh, you know in the scene that i was in growing up you know with six cylinder eight cylinder cars uh, they sounded much, much better. You know, the only four-cylinder car that everybody stuck in my mind was, you know, Group A E30 M3s of British touring cars, which sounded incredible. So I really wanted a six-cylinder car. 
So I went down the BMW route okay, yeah. rather than the 994 route on yeah. my way to 911 ownership. So I, I went th- off I, that way and I, came back. I really think if, um, yeah, if 944s had had a six-cylinder engine, they would have sold three times the amount. Really Agreed. feel that. Really, well, maybe yeah. Maybe like a yeah. straight six. Can you imagine a BMW straight six in one of those? Yeah, howling awesome, away. wouldn't it? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really feel that. Um, I, I think do we, think I do think that four cylinder has got potential though to sound like, especially in the nine six eight, because uh, it does rev out lovely, and it doesn't it doesn't feel like a traditional because it's got balancer shafts and stuff in there, isn't it? So it feels very smooth mm-hmm. as it revs out, and I'm sure with some um, work on the inlet side of things and the exhaust that they sound fantastic once they've had a a bit of a bit of a fettle with, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think um, you know, like the the where Max, you were talking about, you know, your hankering growing up for six pot cars and, and whatever, and you kind of diverted away from the four pot and and sound being something to do with it. I think like the fast forwards from back in the day, they kind of showed that you can achieve that with a four pot, um, and that that was kind Different of that was a, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's part. It's, it's yeah. It's called that. That that right pedal is called the loud pedal for a reason. <laughs> and uh, yeah, although not for much longer. But uh, yeah, no, I think that's that's definitely part of the sports car experience to me is the noise. And that and that was something that was uh, I felt lacking on the nine six eight in quite a big way. But you know, Andy had, with his nine four four, and we'll talk to Andy very shortly. Uh, he's uh, rectified that, as I say, with that aftermarket box, and just give give it a little bit of something, a little yeah. bit of a soundtrack to match the car, and um, again. Again, you know when you're hustling that car down the road with that sort of soundtrack as well yeah just yeah all, all part of it for me and yeah i loved it honestly i, I absolutely loved it would you have one that's a really good question max i think i looked at uh, when i was driving back to heritage park center wh- where andy's based i was thinking well look for similar money i could have a 986 boxster and, and i've kind of been uh, bigging those up quite substantially in the last year or so so to me i look at it and I go would i rather have a boxster or or one of these and i think the boxster you can use it a little bit more uh, which would play into the advantage there with these cars they are classics and if mm. you want a classic porsche that isn't a transaxle car you've got to pay a lot of money so it kind of comes down to uh, your lifestyle and, and what you want for me with mine I, I, as much as i would love a transaxle car and i think they're a hoot I don't feel I would use that car enough. You know, yeah. if I, if, if, if Andy, obviously uh, Andy Brooks here lives, lives down on the South coast of me, when we go out on a Sunday morning drive, I really look forward to digging out little Irish. And as you've spoken last series about the duality of two nine and that overlap, you know, mm-hmm. if you draw the, the, the Venn diagram, there's so yeah. much crossover there. That's why you got rid of your nine on seven and kept the nine on one for me as a, as a fast road proposition, there'd be too much overlap with a nine, nine six. And, and I, I, I love that car but yeah. that's that's not to readily dismiss the transaxle yeah 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 it's interesting you know because i've you know having not bought one back then um you know and gone off in the bmw direction and then come to the 911 through the 997 i still look at um you know because you know reading the mags as i did so heavily i remember the you know the 994 turbo s uh particularly in sort of silver rose sort of gold color that it came in and it had the you know because they have those sort of blistered archers a bit 944s don't they and it had the turbo yeah. script on there and design 90 wheels you know really cool cars and, and i still think oh god you know they are cool and i look back at them 
um, and think, you know, could I fit one of those into my life or how would that fit into my life? And then invariably Boxster pops up in my mind in, in the same price point. And I think, oh, a six cylinder open top. Yeah. Really you know, down, that, yeah. That's a sort of different thing. And maybe that's, yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, I do look at 944 still and I think that's cool, but in my circumstances, I just can't quite fit it in. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, a 928. I was looking at a 928 recently at uh, I can't remember which dealer it was. I think it was the hairpin company in Wiltshire. Green 928, which had had some uh, some fettling done to make it a really nice, usable car. I thought, God, that looks cool. It's the risky business thing, Tom Cruise. And uh, Rebecca de Mornay, you know, it's that kind of vibe. <laughs> I thought, man, that is awesome. But they're quite expensive now. And I think, God, how, how can I fit that in? How can I justify that to Mandy? I thought, I don't think I can. So I had to yeah. put it to one side. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, Andy, to answer the same question? Uh, no, I don't think they're my bag, unfortunately. Not. I, I respect them, but yeah, it's not. It's not my thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Grand. Um, yeah. Short and sharp. I, if I had, I uh, there's one thing I would go for, and that is if I had a big balance, big ba- bank balance, that would be a Nardone. Because that takes out all of the risk for me on the nine to eight, but I would have to have a big bank balance. <laughs> yeah, four hundred eighty k plus that and yeah. a donor car. Yeah, <laughs> grand. Okay, well, look, that's our opinions of uh, Transaxle. Uh, we hope we've not offended. Uh, this is uh, a, a cultural melting pot, as always. So we welcome your opinions. Drop us a line. Let us know why we're wrong. Uh, in the meantime, let's get a quick snippet from Scott at Barnsport, who is just going to give a little bit of an insight into mechanical gremlins on the car or anything you need to look out for when buying one. Hi, Nine Works. Uh, hope you guys are well. I uh, just thought I would uh, share with you uh, a little bit about your transaxles from uh, my experience and my opinion. Obviously, plenty of them out there. There's probably best part of 400,000 cars, I'd imagine. Still absolutely, you know, the DNA of Porsche is still definitely within them, bred within them. They're, they're very well screwed together cars. For me, though, I've never really been a huge fan of them up until recently, mainly being I drove a, a 924 recently with a, a 944 Series 2 3-litre engine in it. And uh, you have your reservations about people that do bits and pieces on these transactional vehicles, but I took this thing down the road and it was just incredible. Um, and it really just opened my eyes a little bit, to be honest, on the... Um, on the 924s, 944s, 68s. I think the 968, especially the Sport and the Club Sport, I think they're the most obviously sought after vehicles being a bit rarer. But yeah, they're, they're, they're screwed together really well. Um, the quality of the build is good. I think you, you do have to be a bit careful. Make sure you're on top of all of the maintenance side of things. Um, obviously, they run cam belts, balance belts, things like water pumps you just need to make sure that you're getting those swapped out along with sort of the idler pulleys at the right intervals um because obviously it can be catastrophic if they go typically as well um, they're done on time rather than the mileage um so that's definitely something to keep an eye on um i remember being back at opc porsche center um and there was a 924 turbo being restored and that was quite an eye-opener to see just how difficult parts were to get for them as well um, you know, being over 40 years old, things have been discontinued. Things like the dashboards, they can crack on the top with, you know, exposed from sunlight. Um, so, yeah, things like that are quite difficult to get hold of. But 
um, yeah, they're, they're coming into their own again. They're coming back into vogue. People are, are starting to love them and accept them a bit more than perhaps they did um, 10 years ago. Um, 928s, that for me is um, almost another niche within them. I think they are very, very specialist. Obviously, being the VA, I think the electronics on them as well can be a bit of a headache if there's issues there. I think, you know, there's, there's few and far between people that's got that knowledge and experience on the 928s. Um, that can actually sort of work on them and know what they're doing. So 928s are a different breed um, in their own sense, in my opinion. Beautifully smooth. They're such a, a grand tour. They, they just waft along the road effortlessly. It's this amazing experience to drive and maybe not so much of a nice experience to work on. Um, but yeah, absolutely fantastic cars. Um, I'm lucky enough to look after uh, a handful of um of all, of all the models, to be honest with you, we look after a few 924s, 44s, 68s, um, and a couple of 928s. Um, and yeah, they're a pleasure to work on. I think, again, age-related wise, things like fuel lines, you need to be careful if they, they start corroding out across the rear axle and brake lines. Um, but yeah, typically, a well-maintained a well, uh, car um, is obviously, you know, really nice to work on and really nice to drive. And I think they're being accepted a lot more into the sort of Porsche community, I think. Porsche, uh, a brand that obviously encapsulates everyone, um, but you typically think of the sports cars, rear-engine, mid-engine cars, and, and the transaxles are often sort of um, overlooked a little bit. But on a whole, I think, yeah, fantastic cars, and yeah, deserve their place, rightly so, um, amongst all the other Porsches. All right, cheers, guys. That's a little bit of sentiment from the experts. I think it would be uh, wise now to chat some owners, gents, don't you think? Some people who've done it or are doing it. <laughs> doing some yeah. exactly some people yeah. who are out there doing it so uh, with deep that, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind let's introduce mr andy gregory who is an i44 owner and uh comms king at heritage park center and then we'll bring on mark tordoff who is a 944 owner quite a special 944 by all accounts as well um and also just like mr gregory a nine works patreon andy gregory from heritage park center how are you good sir uh, I'm not too bad, thank you. And yourself? Excellent. Yeah, we are really good, thanks. We've just spoken away from the mics that you are very aptly throned within your 944 at the moment. So very good considering the theme of the episode. <laughs> Entombed. <laughs> You're going to be buried in. I must say, great sound quality in there, Andy. Yeah, it's just yeah, just another one of those selling points for the uh, transaxle port. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I think, yeah, before we dive into uh, transaxle stuff, I think it's good to touch base with uh, business. So how are things at Heritage Park Centre? I think you've had quite a busy summer with Heretics Meets and, and everything else. Obviously, we had fried eggs earlier this year as well. Yeah, it's been a um, uh, yeah a good year, kind of a year getting back to how things used to be, you know, with um, kind of the shows being back on. Yeah, we had our Heretics Meets, which have been, yeah, really good. Last one's tomorrow, actually. Obviously, yeah, once this goes out, it would have happened, but... Um, yeah, hopefully we'll kind of have a bumper finish. Um, yeah, business is doing okay. So yeah, Porsche's kind of um, yeah p- picking up, and yeah, more and more people kind of coming on board with what we're doing, kind of understanding why we're doing it, and um, yeah, liking the way we work. So uh, yeah, thanks for all the support, and um, yeah, thanks to everyone who's kind of giving us a go and uh, letting us help them with their projects. Yeah, I bought some wheel nuts the other day. Oh, thank you very much. Thought you'd like to know. Yeah, last of the big spenders. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're the reason I got such a big Christmas bonus. Nine days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those, those titanium wheel nuts. No, they weren't. They were, they were, they were old steel ones. I was being oh. cheap. <laughs> but I will say, I did get my Nine Works discount. Must just get a little plug in there. I got my 10% discount off. So, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, make sure you put your Nine Works. Nine Works 10 is the code, isn't it? That's exactly it, Andy. Yeah, very yeah. well played there, mate. So, yeah, it's Nine Works 10. Enter that code Shameless at the checkout for, uh, for up to 10% off. I have to say, I love visiting Heritage Parts. I was down there last week, obviously, to, to drive a certain car, Andy, as well, amongst other things, which we'll go on to talk about. But um, as, as I've said before on the pod, I just don't know how you do it because if that was me, I'd just be spending like literally all my money on car parts because it's just it's a mecca for it, you know? <laughs> You have to, um, yeah, you have to pace yourself. Fortunately, I, yeah, I can only get one car in the garage and yeah, I've got a, yeah, a family to pay for, etc. So um, kind of keeps me on the straight and narrow just about. <laughs> I'm going to have to come down and check it out. Yeah, you're welcome, Max. Yeah, come down anytime. I'll show you around. I'd love that. You, you get the, if you get the show round, Max, you get the uh, 10 minute supermarket sweep with a... Um, <laughs> No, we're not trolley. going into this again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sack last time. I'm still trying to get that going, but he's not having it. It would be amazing for like having seen the systems that the guys have in place there for like sourcing bits within that warehouse. I can imagine that us having a 10 minute tear up would cause like literally weeks of untold carnage <laughs> yeah, with, the, uh, with the system. But yeah, we'll, we'll persist nevertheless. So um, look, we know that the, the guys at Heritage Parts do uh, stock the products for, for quite literally all Porsches from 356 up to... Um, well, it's an end of 997, really, but I know you guys are looking at transaxle market as well. So um, we, shall, we shall keep an eye out for that. Yeah, transaxle stuff. We, we do some kind of, yeah, your, your servicey bits at the moment. That's, that's something obviously kind of slightly um, encouraged by the fact that uh, I'm, I'm into that. But um, <laughs> definitely, I think, yeah, the transaxle is overlooked by a number of kind of specialists and it's a, growing, it's a growing market and people are kind of appreciating those vehicles and kind of starting to restore them more so yeah definitely it's an opportunity for us to explore further and probably yeah over the winter early next year yeah so quality so uh, when you've been on the podcast previously you've kind of outlined your 944 and your kind of experience with it it will dive into that a little bit more today but it'd also be good to know do you think the scene has changed or is changing with the transaxle models generally, um, whether it's the perception of them or, or actually like the, the ownership experience? I think, um, yeah, obviously in, interest in Porsche as a whole kind of has been, has been riding away isn't it? the past, what I don't know, since, since forever, but kind of, yeah, last five years or whatever, 9-11 prices rocketed up, which has kind of dragged everything else along, along with it. Um, I think there's even from like the nine works patron group, for example, there's been a lot of people on there who have got either nine four fours also in the garage, but they've got maybe a nine eleven as well, or they're also kind of, yeah, they've got a bit of a secret burning desire for a transaxle car. So there's people out there who who are kind of, yeah, out there. And also, yeah, things kind of come around, don't they? I guess things go through phases where, um, yeah, they're not necessarily, the coolest thing to have they get a bit forgotten and then they come back around and all of a sudden that's what kind of people people want you see yeah you see it with everything don't we kind of music fashion and 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 cars as well as well so uh so do you think that's changing a bit then andy because from what i could see from the outside 
the it was 2013 when the 911 was uh, was 50 years old when kind of prices of the classics went crazy started by the 2.7 rs that pulled everything else up as we've kind of mentioned before but i always felt like transaxles were outside of that bubble for a really long time and it wasn't until maybe like 2018 19 where values had a bit of an uptick but kind of aside from that just like interest generally that you know people were starting to look at those again oh yeah i kind of forgot about them that might I be think, my own negligence. So do, do you agree with that? or? Yeah, I think, yeah, that kind of, I bought mine 2019, I think. I think, yeah, that probably, yeah, 2017 was probably a great time to, to buy one. You'd have probably saved yourself a good few thousand pounds. Um, but yeah, obviously off the back of that kind of the Porsche boom, albeit a little bit delayed, yeah, price, prices were going up. Um, they've gone up a little bit. They're not kind of, they're not ridiculous. I think people have, chance their arm over the past few few years and obviously you get yeah stuff goes through at pebble beach or wherever it is for silly <laughs> silly amounts of money and all of a sudden everyone thinks their car's worth half a million pounds or whatever it might be but um yeah there's still you can pay you can pay not a lot of money and get kind of a rock box i bought i paid my uh five grand for mine coming up four years ago i think and it's probably worth I don't know, six and a half, seven grand now, maybe. Um, so that's kind of yeah, where they're where they're up. You, you, you're not probably not going to get rich off buying them and stashing them away just yet. But um, there's yeah, I think there's a little bit of appreciation in them. There is a lot of them for sale also, though, and I think that's probably stemmed by the fact that owners, whether they're kind of enthusiasts or they've just kind of got them kicking around, have thought I think there might be something in this, but. The, yeah, the last kind of year, really, the market's been flooded with Guards Red 944s. So if you've got one of those, unless it's really good, <laughs> it's going to be sat on eBay for a long time. Um, there's quite a lot of autos coming out of the, out of the woodwork, which um, is not really my scene, but it's, um, they're not a bad car by, by, by all accounts. But um, yeah, I, I kind of like three pedals and a, and a stick to play with. Was there, <laughs> was there a particular catalyst, do you think, that dragged, that sort of got the the transactional thing going because the you know the the halo effect of the 27rs took quite a long time to get down to the say the 996 so was there something like um you know was it maybe when when magnus did his first 944 you know the silver blue thing did people suddenly think oh well if magnus has got a 944 then they must be cool was it something like was there anything like that i think yeah there's obviously yeah the magnus walker effect is kind of I think that applies for for all Porsches, isn't it? But yeah, definitely. Obviously, if Magnus has got one, then people want them. The other thing, um, yeah, the um, the other thing really is I was saying to Lee the other day. I was kind of thinking of the nine four four as kind of a, almost as a step up from a hot hatch rather than a kind of a, a step down from a supercar. Okay. So yeah. if you kind of think of how the values of Mark One Golf GTIs, Mark Two Golf GTIs have gone the past five six years, like. Yeah, you'll now struggle to buy kind of a nice Mark One GTI for less than ten grand. Yeah, and if you want yeah. something really nice, you're going to be looking twenty, twenty five grand. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's kind of good nine four four turbo money. And you're for that sort of money, you're then yeah almost probably double the horsepower rear wheel drive Stuttgart sports car. And from that point of view, you kind of you it's almost I guess for a lot of us, it's kind of a graduation from the Volkswagen scene into Porsche. Yeah, yeah. So um I think that's also kind of had a had a had a knock on and obviously the more people who kind of who get into the 
to them, the more people kind of sing their praises and kind of encourages other people. So from that point of view, I think, yeah, definitely comparing them to VW, there's obviously some crossover parts in them and there's kind of a bit of a, a joint heritage there. Um, has also probably lifted the values of those cars. Yeah, that's that's a really good um, sort of analogy, I think. I, I hadn't sort of thought about that, but the, yeah, I quite agree. Where the prices have gone up of those GTIs, it's sort of that that probably more affects the value of the 944 than other Porsche products. It sort of, yeah, puts it into relevance. Yeah, good, very good point. I think, yeah, if you look at it in terms of value for money, yeah, kind of would you rather spend, yeah, 10 grand on, 135 horsepower Mark II Golf or 170 horsepower rear-wheel drive Porsche. Yeah. And you kind of, it all depends what you want to do with it, but um, it definitely kind of puts it into contention for kind of a usable classic. Um, yeah. yeah. Where, where do they sit in terms of um, running costs and things like that? Because, you know, no, cars, exactly, cars that exactly have, what I was thinking. You know, that have sensible entry points don't necessarily make for cheap cars to run like, you know, 996s yeah. or 997s, you know, they can be expensive cars to run. What's a 944 like? I think, yeah, I'd say it's more expensive than a VW. Um, but yeah, what I like about it, because I'm a bit, a bit, a bit tight and I've not, I've not got a lot of money. Kind of, um, so yeah, what I like about it is I can buy kind of a tire for under a hundred pounds and like the, the big kind of service costs, if you need like, all the belts doing, I think that's every four years and you're probably into kind of 400 quid ish 500 pound maybe but apart from that it's kind of oil and filter plugs which is yeah kind of comparable to running a yeah, mark ii golf really um you what else is there yeah clutches are clutches expensive job to do if you go and take it into a garage you're probably into 800 pound a thousand pound right if you need the clutch doing that's you know, so you've got kind of a big shaft which runs kind of front to front to back gearbox at the back clutch at the back that's kind of a big faff it's definitely not kind of a not one to sort of think i'll just have a go on my driveway that's funny. I, would have, I, was, I would have thought it'd been easier because it is separated from the engine <laughs> yeah for, my, from my simple I've, mind's thinking ah oh, that's got to be easier from what i've read it's a complete bull lake and okay. yeah um def- yeah definitely not what i want to take on Fortunately, the um, yeah, a lot of the cars now have had the clutch done, but they have like a, a rubber pad in them, I think, which sort of breaks down over time. So yeah, if it's got the original clutch in it, then um, just yeah, keep that in mind that you're going to have a bit of a bill. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Apart from that, yeah, they're fairly good, really. I get um probably twenty miles to the gallon around town out of it, and I guess it's going to do thirty something on a, on a run. So it's not. Yeah, it's not um, it's not modern car fuel fuel economy. Yeah, I, yeah you I was, yeah chatting to Lee the other day, he kind of asked how old it was. I was like, it's 1986. This car, so it's kind of getting on for 40 years old, and you don't don't necessarily feel it's that old while you're driving it. But um, yeah, it's it's not massively expensive. Although there's there's going to be people out there who have got them who kind of every time there's a squeak, it's straight into the specialist. Yeah. Whereas I'm kind of every time a wheel falls off, I'll probably have a look and see what the problem is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, there's obviously, yeah, different people kind of go for, for different lengths of stuff. Like I've, I've spent a bit of time. I've got kind of the, yeah, the alignment done by a specialist and I'm kind of slowly ticking stuff off, but it's a pocket money project for me, really. It's kind of, if I've got a spare little bit of money, I'll try and get something 
something done and yeah i've got kind of a to-do list as long as my arm but yeah it's functional it's passing its mot um i think yeah it failed on a headlight bulb or something this year like it's it's fairly good as long as you've yeah, you've got one that's not rotten. There's a lot of kind of rotten ones out there. They've probably been sat on drives for 10 years, gathering kind of moss, damp, cats that lived in it and all the rest where, yeah, kind of just, you could drain your veg through the sills. But as long as those bits have been done, then yeah, you should, you should, yeah, it should be okay. Electricals, Gremlins, obviously, 40-year-old Porsche electrics are potentially going to test you a little bit. I had problems with indicators for a while. The heaters are... um Quite often people have heaters which only work on one setting or only do hot. But yeah, yeah. it's just the foibles of a, a classic car, really. Funny, like you say, it's it's comparable to like a 3.2 Carrera of the time, just in, in terms of when it was built. Um, and I think a, a 944 is pretty good at kind of disguising that, actually, certainly in, in driving yours the other day, Andy. It was, uh, yeah, you know, it wasn't till afterwards when you said it's a near on 40-year-old car it really makes you stop and think and go well that's that's quite spectacular actually um i think what's uh, again in uh, and this is kind of what i want to go on to and talk about elsewhere on the pod i think it's it's unfair to compare these cars to the 911 i know they were built to or the the transaxle cars were ultimately built to replace the 911 before petter schutz come along uh, the CEO in 1981, but it, I, I feel it's unfair to compare them to 911s because it's a totally different car, and 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 the 944 is is bigger, and I feel like it has that presence on the road compared to a contemporary. And even like looking at you now, Andy, where you're sitting, there's loads of room in there. And you were saying to me last week, you know, you've had your family of four have gone to the shops in the car like quite regularly, you know, which you you couldn't really do with the same uh, certainly degree of space in a 3-2 Carrera. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I've done I've done it once actually for, for up because we had car problems with the uh yeah, with the with the sensible daily. And um yeah, it it's a little bit tight. If you've got two children who'll fit in the back kind of without child seats and they're I guess under 5 foot, they're probably going to be all right as long as you don't I like quite quite like laying down while I drive. So it kind of obviously <laughs> causes problems for those behind me, but it, yeah, it, it's doable. The other thing to note, yeah, if you do want to take people in the back, I think after 86, 87, they then have retractable three-point seat belts in the back. But before that, you're either on lap belts or static three-points, unless you kind of upgrade them. So, yeah, whilst I managed to sell the car to my wife with the idea that I'd put child seats in the back, it's um, it's it's because they're so kind of contoured, the seats, it's such a tricky thing to do. that. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it is practical, but it's not. I've I've sat in the back as an adult, but it's um, yeah, it's not particularly. <laughs> it, it's one of those ones like yeah, you'd do it to get to the pub and back. Yeah, <laughs> may, maybe kind of ten miles or something, but yeah, anything kind of longer than that, you'd sort of um, yeah, start hacking your legs off. <laughs> in in my research, I found a, a quote from Porsche which said it was it was advertised in 1976 as the family sports station wagon. <laughs> I think yeah, that I is see, stretching it, isn't it? That well, is I, really stretching it. Well, I, I, I saw that, Andy, and, and I kind of, I get that. And I think that's where they're kind of deliberately trying to take their sports car offering in a different direction because it's yeah. not a sports car per se. And even like where Mr. Gregory is sitting now, you know, you can see that after the, 
B pillar um, on a 911 that drops down quite dramatically all the way to the tail lights. Whereas where Andy is now in in the 944 after the B pillar, that roof line does stay quite high, yeah. and then only starts dropping down with that wonderful curved rear screen at the back. So it's, it sounds like it's actually the seats that. Are, the shortcoming in in terms of uh, ergonomics in the back, but like there, there is there is a bit more space in there, I think, to play with, which was was quite possibly the point of the car. Yeah. The other useful thing with that is the the top of the rear seats fold down, and you end up with kind of a completely flat load bed. So actually, yeah, I've not I've not done it, but guys who have got them said like, yeah, you can get kind of two mountain bikes in the back of one of these, as long as you whip the wheels like the wheel off. Yeah. <laughs> so if yeah, if you want to go or camping for the weekend with a mate or whatnot, actually you can get quite a lot in the back of them and you can lift the rear hatch to kind of load it. Whereas, yeah, I suppose a 911, you'd be folding seats and squirreling stuff. You've got a frunk, I suppose. But um, I'm sure I've seen one over in the US um, and they've converted, or maybe in Germany actually, and they've converted it to safari style. So they've jacked it all up. And then they've yeah. got some sort of, mechanism maybe it's like a little tent bellows or something so they open the rear window and that's like the top of the tent and then there's this curtain that goes round and seals the back so it's like a it then becomes a sleeping accommodation for a couple oh, okay. of guys nice so, yeah maybe the station wagon it's it is a good a good description of it <laughs> with with adaptation <laughs> Yeah, for people kind of yeah four for eight and below you probably have a comfortable <laughs> night sleeping in the, <laughs> in, the, in the back of there i think when i was in my early 20s my my dad had a had a 944 and uh and we did used to use it for the pub you know i was post-university living at home so we used to ferry me and my friends to and from the pub in it and we all used to pile in there but then soon after that he he, he then bought a 3-2 carrera and i'm and i mean it's a, it's a long time ago now but i remember going from our family home to, to Silverstone and I was in the back of the 3-2 Carrera. It sticks in my mind now still how uncomfortable that was. That's a long time <laughs> ago. But I can't, you know, it doesn't stick in my mind about the 944 at all. We just used it. You know, we got in it, we piled in, he took us into Aylesbury and dropped us off and off we went. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's a different kind of car in terms of usability. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, Andy, yeah, I've got two questions for you, um, maybe to finish up on. So the first one is the 944 obviously has a Porsche badge on the front. It's your first foray into the brand. How uh, special has that been for you? Is it Has it been everything that you would hoped it would have been at the start when you made that purchase? Um, yeah, I think so. I think more so... Um... So yeah, I bought I bought the car for a couple of reasons. I re I really wanted one as a kid. I used to kind of walk past them going to school, and I was in a situation where yeah, I'd inherited a small amount of money. I could have bought I could have got myself into a Boxster. I could have got myself into probably quite a doggy nine nine six, um, but I kind of stuck with it. So it was a it was a choice to to buy Transaxle over over the other options. Um, and actually, I've been quite surprised um by the way it's been received actually and by the way generally kind of Porsche owners have have embraced it um so yeah that's been quite kind of quite complimentary and yeah they're meeting fellow trans transaxle owners which there's a kind of a bit of a I guess a subculture for those who uh who have got got the transaxle cars I quite like 
I've always favoured underdogs. I had Jetters, I've had Polos, etc. So I've kind of always gone down that route and I sort of feel like I've followed that by going into Transact. It wasn't necessarily the obvious choice, but yeah, I've made some kind of good friends doing it. And yeah, I'm really, I'm really pleased with, with, with owning it and kind of yeah, what I've got out of it, really. I don't feel as if I'm on... I'm kind of an outcast necessarily for having having chosen a 944 over a 911. Um, and yeah, it's still kind of e- equally welcome at, at events, etc. Sometimes even more so because actually you could be the only 944 in the car park and you're driving it along the road. And I think, yeah, heads don't turn to say a Boxster or maybe a 996 in the way that they would for kind of a 944 because you've probably not seen one all week. Yeah. Like driving over to work the other day, there was a guy in a transit, the traffic lights, who kind of wanted to have a chat with me about, about the car and whether I took it to shows, etc. And um, yeah, that's kind of, that's, a, yeah, it's sort of a nice feeling. Yeah, that, to be honest, Andy, that is such an awesome reply because that gives a real snapshot into the ownership experience that, you know, we, we crave on on this podcast is to kind of get that garner that knowledge and, and share it with everyone so so thank you for that that's absolutely awesome um on the head turning subject actually i when i was driving your car the other day which was the first time i'd driven a transaxle porsche and uh i had the headlights up for the novelty and uh <laughs> yes driving back towards uh, heritage park center and uh yeah there's a, a mum and a, a son walking along at the side of the road and this he must have been a toddler or so you know very young no more than five um, at the very most and he was turning around pointing at the car and I think again exactly like you say in comparison to anything else on the road today the car it, it almost looks like a spaceship really it's totally different I'm sure I'm sure the pop-up headlights must have won it for him as it did for me but it was it was great to be in a in a little head turner of a car you know when I was a kid I got given uh, my, my stepdad was a school teacher and he got given a kind of a whole bunch or collected for his school kind of a whole bunch of car brochures and one of the brochures he had he had kind of he had some Mazda ones and kind of some run of the mill. Somehow he ended up with one from Porsche for a 968. <laughs> so I kind of, I had this like this beautiful silver pamphlet kind of booklet all sort of embossed lettering and everything with kind of a center spread with this blue 968 Cabernet 968 kind of coupe sort of parked really nicely. And yeah, somewhere I've still got that, but I get, um, there was a, there was a mint green 968 parked around the corner from where I lived as well with mint green wheels. I don't think it was a club sport, but um, that was, yeah, they're definitely, it's definitely up there. I might, I'd kind of consider dropping the 944 in for 968. Well, Andy, that leads on really <coughs> nicely to my final question. So these cars with the Porsche brand, they all get under our skin as, as we know. And so the first Porsche we buy doesn't tend to be the last. We all seem to go on this journey where we seem to work up or through the brand. Some some people might dally off to, to have a midlife crisis at, say, an Aston Martin or something along the way, but everybody <laughs> seems to come back eventually. It's very so true, isn't it? Yeah. it? Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, Andy Gregory, so you, you from your 944, where next for you as an owner at, at any point in the future? I think, yeah, mass- massively governed by, um, by, by money, really. I'm not in a, in a position to kind of go out and jump into something else. I really like what I really like about the 944 and mine in particular is I'm not super, super precious of it. And that means I use it. Like I'll give the keys to pretty much anyone and let them have a go in it. And I'll park it in a car park and leave it for a few hours while I go to the shops or whatever. And I'm not going to kind of just be sitting in a restaurant kind of worrying myself silly about, um, 
yeah, is it going to get a ding in it or anything like that? <clears throat> um, moving, yeah, moving forward, you kind of your eyes are always sort of taken by other stuff that's out there. Boxsters intrigue me because they're in a similar sort of price band. Um, I'm yeah, I'm yet to drive one, but that would be kind of interesting to do. Nine nine six intrigues me because it's kind of it's. It's about as new as I like to go. I don't really like things much newer than that. Sorry. Um, I don't really like things much newer than kind of early 2000s. So again, they intrigue me. I've not driven one. I think the only time I've moved, I've driven one, I drove yours, the fried eggs event, but literally just around the car park to move it into the warehouse. Um, I've driven a couple of 997s. They were quite pleasant, but I don't think, I don't think I'd buy one unless I had kind of RS or GT3 money. Um, and yeah, 968 Club Sport would be lo- lovely. But again, I don't know whether I can be trusted with something that nice. <laughs> <laughs> with, with that in mind, we'd like to bring in uh, Mark Tordoff. So, Mark, thanks uh, also for joining us on this transactional special of Nine Mike's Radio. Morning, Mark. Good morning, morning Mark. Max. Morning. How are you guys doing? All right. Very well. Dandy, absolutely dandy. So a uh, fellow podcast Patreon as well. So thank you for that, first and foremost. Um, thanks for joining us as well. You're more than welcome. So what's uh, what's your transactional Porsche and what's your ownership experience been? Um, my current transactional is a 944-1989, um, 2.7, which is a fairly rare one. They only did it for around about a year. Um, my entry into it was uh, after I sold my previous 9-11 we were doing some work on the house and i thought need to convert, um realize some cash and um more spray i was in i come across uh, 944 and i'd always had a hankering for them ever since um sort of leaving school seeing them turn up and pick up some of the the kids and that sort of stuff and uh my brother sent one across to us that was in well what seemed to be excellent condition and uh it turned out it was it was uh three owners uh previous owner had it looked after it always serviced it and it had been garaged for 25 years but with light usage so it oh, didn't suffer story. any of those uh issues with rust and seals and that type of stuff as well yeah oh, what a good buy um i'm interested so what porsche did you have before you had 911 before um so i guess my going i first one was a c2s um with the x51 performance pack and that went back probably about 10 years held on to that for about three maybe four years uh then my wife said she would be interested in driving one but she didn't want the manual so then chopped that in for a gen 2997 c4s uh pdk yeah had that for a few years and then we did the house renovation and that's when i sold that one to realize the cash so you've got quite a good um um yeah cross-reference between rear-engined 911 uh 911s what well, porsches should i say yeah and um front engine so what's your your take on the the difference between the two what's your yeah, is there any is there any bits that you think oh that is real Porsche both of them or what's what's the yeah, difference? I think when I went for the nine four four, what I was hoping for was it would fill that gap, and I was hankering back for a nine eleven. The, the extension was taking longer, um, but you know I I wanted to get back into Porsche ownership, but I wasn't ready with the cash for the nine eleven, so I went for the nine four four. And I've got to say, it, it didn't hit the points that a 911 does hit when you have one. Um, but after time, I fell in love with it more and more. 
And then since I've gone back and had another 9-11 and kept this one as well. So I've got the two. Um, so, yeah, what I would say is the 944 doesn't fill the same gap as the 911. But when you sit in it and when you drive it, now I've had it for a good few years and I've done some road trips with it. And then I went out to things like the uh, flat six event and you poke your head in a 959 and then you see the same, some of the same switch gear indicator stalks, maybe steering wheel, that sort of stuff that are in those cars and some of the more exotics. It puts a smile on your face. Um, and also, I think it, it was Porsche at a time pre the bubble, pre everybody loving Porsches and everything about it. I don't think you can recreate it. And, and that's what I like. And I think for a fraction of some of the money, say of a 959 or a more exotic 911. In terms of how they drive, Andy, um, very different. Um, yeah. You definitely don't feel that shove from behind. But the balance that it has once you get it up and get some speed behind it and then you twist it through the corners actually really surprises me still. <laughs> it, it really is quite rewarding to drive once you have it up to speed on a B road. Yeah. Is it something that you need time to bond mm. with to kind of understand it? Yeah, I'm unsure whether that was me and my situation at the time being my first love was 911s and I went into the 944 thinking it was maybe a stopgap. But I'd be interested in maybe other people's sort of opinions on that same question as well. Well, I'd quite like to jump in there, uh, Mark. So I think I think there's a really good point that you make. And certainly in driving Andy Gregory's 944 last week, which, is, as I said, is the only only 944 I've driven to date. And, and that was my first transaxle. Uh, it's a completely different driving experience. Um I found, like you say, like it, there is a say, like a lack of inertia at lower down, like first half of the uh, the rev range. But it made you, and I said this to Andy at Heritage Park. So when I got back, I felt like as soon as I jumped into that on four four, the car just said, um, "Ooh." would you like to drive very, very quickly straight away? <laughs> and as a driver, you go, yes, yes, I would. So, yeah, you know, with with Andy's car in particular, just shy of, of 4K, which was uh, as 12 o'clock on the Taco, that car just comes on cam and, and just it gives you an almighty thump from behind um, round to about five and a half. I think the, the red line is just after six, Andy, is it? Yeah. So that is a real sweet spot for that car. So if you drive it like a hooligan and just keep the revs in the top half of that taco in that power band, it sings and and it, it absolutely flies. Loads of front end grip as well. Again, in comparison to a nine eleven, you spend a lot of time trying to weight the nose up. Um, with a with a, a transaxle car, it's already there. So I found that my right foot was planted. A lot longer than it would be in a 911 and as i say just making so use you, of the f- are you saying you ripped the shit out of andy's car <laughs> well i did yeah but i said as much to be fair but um like you, you know that I, I i loved it i absolutely loved it and and it, it surprised me it you know i i enjoyed it a lot more than i ever ever would and, and i think mark that probably relates to what you're saying it's a very different driving experience um but super, super fun. Like you, you really do have to grab it by the scruff of the neck, drive the living daylights out of it. And it's super rewarding, really well, like naturally balanced as we know. Um, and, and it's just the amount of grip that you have at the front, uh, the vehicle at the nose, you can really exploit that. And, and for, you know, a B road blast type car, I, I, I think is, is awesome. Absolutely awesome. And that Andy, just going back to our conversation is when we got back and you said it's nearly 40 years old and you just go, wow, you know, absolutely. Wow. That is phenomenal. 
Yeah, and then there's part of me. So I'd get back from some of those initial drives and I just think, first impressions was it shouldn't have been going that fast. I should have been getting some sort of tire squeal. I should have been getting some sort of under or oversteer or something like that. So it was amazement at first. And then there was a bit of guilt. As you say, it's 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 coming on for a 40-year-old car and actually should I be treating it like that? But I have done time and time again. And mechanically-wise, it's been absolutely brilliant, I've got to say. I don't know what Andy's experience has been been with his um but the mine's been pretty good on on the uh, maintenance front yeah mine's um yeah touch wood nothing kind of mechanically major um so yeah from that point of view uh, i've been lucky or i bought a good one one or the other (laughs) (laughs) excellent so yeah i mean mark it's kind of similar to, to the question i asked andy just just as you were joining the conversation so uh in terms of you know the next porsche that we all kind of dream about or have half an eye on um you know where 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 do you go next you know do you quite like the the transaxle world or where do you see yourself kind of going um i like the transaction world but i like this particular example and i don't i don't see me selling it which which is bizarre because it was only ever a stopgap um i was gonna go for a um carrera t um and sell the 944 but in in the end i decided to go for a gen 2 997 manual uh, that was a little bit less and allows me to keep the 944. So I think actually I'll be trading the 911 and keeping the transaxle rather than selling the transaxle for something else. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah, yeah. What, what a brilliant uh, appraisal of transaxle Porsches. You know, that's superb. Yeah, fantastic. What a, a big vote for the transaxle. <laughs> it, is, it is indeed. And it surprises me to say it because, as I say, that, that's happened in the space of less than two years, I think. Is your uh, Is your car standard, Mark? Or, um, it, it is, and and actually, I think we bumped into each other. Did you you organise the um, event at Mamouche? Um, yes, you did. Yes. Um, so yeah, I was. It was the white one that was parked. Jeff Ridge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. along from you there. So yeah, pretty much absolutely st- standard. Um, even down to the new exhaust section I put on last week. Um, I think I ended up paying five hundred pound for that as opposed to one hundred pound with aftermarket parts. So I'm trying to keep everything I can uh, genuine Porsche parts um, and keeping the old ones to one side as well because. Yeah, it is amazingly good example of one. Awesome. As a credit to the previous owner. So you like to tinker? I do a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. I've not been and how afraid... do you find them to work on? Um, yeah, generally okay to be honest, Andy. Um, I'm not a mechanic by trade. I'm more of an electrical engineer and that type of stuff. But it's all fairly logical. Um, and I sort of started doing it with, with the early 911s or the, the 997s that I had. And I've just progressed onto this one. So brakes, um, exhausts, um, cooling systems, that sort of stuff, I don't mind. Yeah. Um, I noticed some of the sunroof cogs, which are sort of plastic parts, had gone on one side. So, again, did that fairly recently. And that was that was a fairly simple job as well. So, yeah, basic jobs, don't mind. The the uh, service stamps, and maybe water pumps, that type of stuff, I'll, I'll take it to the specialist. Yeah but but quite easy to do the the main yeah and the, the normal sort of brakes and stuff like that yeah no problems at all um there's plenty of room in the engine bay to work on it's all fairly well laid out um yeah and I've, um that was one of the reasons for doing the house was to 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 make the garage bigger out a single um so i've added a bit more space in there with a workbench and the view was always to um help me with my hobby and what i like doing and that's tinkering with mountain bikes and and, and cars awesome great stuff so not quite at the level of the you are though andy to be honest i've been following some of your stuff on your 993 um yeah how <laughs> <off> to you <laughs> thanks mate <laughs> 
Mark, to be fair, it sounds like you've got it sussed in your setup there. So, uh, yeah, that, that's that's absolutely awesome. And, uh, yeah, look, like, again, another another high appraisal of of the virtues of transaxle Porsches, which is is great. We've said previously that uh, an episode looking at these cars is long overdue because they're an important part of Porsche history. And, and, and you know, there were plenty of them produced as a lot of people have enjoyed them over the years. So um, it's great to see that, that that is still the case right up to the present day. And, and, and yeah, your sentiment regards to keeping one over a 911 is, is yeah, big news that. So thank you. Yeah, no probably. Absolutely. Ideal. All right, gents. Well, look, thanks very much for your time today yeah, uh, as, uh, as owners and to shed a bit of light on the ownership experience of, uh, of your 944s. We really, really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, hopefully many more happy miles to come. Indeed. Sure we look forward to catching up with you guys as well. Yes. Well, Mark, I'll, I'll see you Saturday at, you uh, at, at Brands Hatch. I'll drop you a line separately about that via WhatsApp. Um, exactly. Yeah, there'll be a couple of us, uh, Nine Whites Patreon guys, having a bit of a watch of the uh, Porsche Club Championship this weekend at Brands Hatch. So looking forward to that. And, and if you bring the 944, yeah, it'd be great to see it in the metal. I would indeed. You've made, the, you've made the decision for me <laughs> <laughs> happy days, happy days. yeah quality all right guys yeah look thanks very much for your time you can enjoy uh, the rest of the day and the rest of the week thank you guys see you later guys bye isn't that interesting how much mark loves his 944 yeah that sounds like it's a particular example that it sounds like it's an amazing example and that it's like i'm never getting rid of that because it's so amazing yeah yeah. But again, yeah. I think it just highlights what a kind of a broad church nature uh, we're dealing with here within that yeah. kind of Porsche world. So for some people, transaxle cars, not interested, you know, never would think twice, etc. Um, there are others that, you know, devout enthusiasts um, and, and kind of wouldn't wouldn't go elsewhere and 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 obviously then everything in between as well and I, I love that i absolutely love that and kind of what andy said i i just love the idea that you know a 944 can rock up to like some sort of portion meet maybe a nine works one and uh and have something in common with a carrera gt owner or something you know i, I love that i love the melting pot aspects of, of these sports cars yeah yeah absolutely this podcast is endorsed by the nine works marketplace Tailored for enthusiasts, this is your first port of call for buying quality Porsche sports cars from trusted dealers with warranty, finance and independent inspections all available. Our Marketplace Car of the Week this week is a driver spec manual 991 Carrera T in racing yellow with sports seats and Carrera T interior package. RPM Technic have the car for sale at 80995 with extended Porsche warranty and less than 20k on the clock. And you can check it out and others at nineworks.co.uk. Shall we do spread the love then, guys? First one of the new series, Max. What have you got? Yeah, Is it another coffee shop? It's not. I have got <laughs> or a, a kebab shop. shop. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a kebab shop. I have got a coffee shop one, but I'm going to save that for another week because I don't quite like coffee shop. I'm going to go back to Instagram and then an Instagram page called Machina Studios. Um, and I've got to know Johnny Lau, who's behind Machine Studios. And he, oh, I met him at the weekend at the Collecting Cars. Yeah, thing. yeah, he was at Collecting Cars. Yeah, he, he's he takes taken some, a couple of pictures of my car. Yes, he, he takes great pictures, you know, really, really, really high quality stuff. And he came along, he, he lives sort of Oxford Way, so not that far from me. And he came along to my meet at the Aikman, my Nine is Fine meet a few months ago. So so we met there and, you know, we, I see him at caffeine machine and you know various places and he's actually been really really kind and really helpful with helping me get to grips with my new camera kit 
you know, we chat on Instagram and because we go to similar events because we're fairly local, we chat quite a lot. And he's a top guy. Uh, but he, you know, he takes spectacular pictures. So Machina Studios is really, you know, really, really worth a look. It's, yeah. it's predominantly, it's not only Porsche, but, you know, like all of us, there's a lot of Porsche action on there. And yeah, he's, he's a, he's a stand up guy. If you look on my Insta, um, he took a picture of my car as I was driving into Caffeine Machine. So it's that rolling shot yes. as you see it coming towards you. Yeah. Uh, fantastic shot. He, yeah. he and I were in the bushes together, Caffeine <laughs> Machine. Yeah. Waiting for you guys to come back. You dirty buggers. <laughs> <laughs> we were there prone with our lenses. Of course, he did better than I did, but, you know, I'm learning. <laughs> Should you be admitting to this? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Oh, yeah, certainly spreading the love. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. yeah, well Brilliant. done, Max. Well done. It's uh, that a photographer's life. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, what's yeah, your I'll, I'll dive in yeah so uh, i'm going to go uh, i'm gonna keep it within the family uh, as in my actual family so uh, i'm going to say if you are in the vicinity of uh, marks tay and colchester uh, marks tay being the, the little village outside colchester where i'm from and uh yeah you have a last minute puncture or anything like that or you need any kind of quick servicing done that then I would recommend uh, Trident Vehicle Services in Marks Tay. They are not a Porsche specialist. Uh, they do absolutely everything, but they, um, yeah, they mainly deal with like tires and whatnot. So again, if you're stuck at the roadside anywhere in that kind of Colchester area, East Anglia area, um, they will come out to you or you can go to them. And uh, I would particularly recommend that you ask for Joe Sibley, <laughs> aka uh, Rodney, aka Planet Head, aka Worn <laughs> Tennis Ball Head. There's, yeah, he's got lots. Of, he's got lots of nicknames as Joe. But um, yeah, Joe. What? what's what's um relation is he to you so he's my younger brother okay okay yeah yeah he's five five years my junior but uh yeah he's, he's, he's... still at school then yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i tell you what he's he's got he's got maturity way beyond uh my years that's for sure but uh yeah like he's um He's the man at Trident, as far as I'm concerned, although they're, they're a top, top team there and top guys. Uh, but yeah, ask for Joe and uh, Joe will look out for you. So that's uh, Trident Vehicle Services at Marks Tay. Excellent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Keep it in the family. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to kill me for it. All of well, all those as well. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's one that I, I didn't repeat on here, but I'll tell oh, you about on, it away from on. the thing. No, I'm uh, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That's a handy location, actually, if you're in East Anglia, because you come like down the A12 and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, Mark's taste is there, isn't it? I know. I used to live in Colchester back in the day. Yeah, um, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, uh, you, you, yeah, were, yeah, you were, yeah. you were an, an Essex boy. Yeah, I was bit. an Essex boy for a little while. And then you thought, fuck that. <laughs> 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 I'm off to find me some decorum. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Go on then, Andy. What are you saying? Where, where, where? In which direction are you spreading the love? Uh, I'm spreading non non Porsche love. I think really, yeah. Um, I'm going YouTube this week and uh, retro power cars. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys have come across them. Uh, oh. They, oh, you need to go check them out. Uh, they do some amazing builds um, from uh, the Gordon Murray. Is where I first found them, I think, or maybe that uh, maybe that came a little bit later. But he, Gordon Murray, commissioned them to build a Mark One Escort, um, and they just do the most amazing builds. They're currently building a, an amazing T 
Toyota FJ. Um, and the engineering that goes into these rebuilds is just crazy. It's got a, a big V8 engine in it. And they go down to the detail of like the hinges that the windscreen pops forward on. They re-engineer everything and they just make the car amazing from you know, an old design, bringing in all modern technology, um, fitting more modern engines uh, and making these old cars drive in a you know a great analog way um so yeah really uh, yeah, yeah check out retro power cars on youtube um, now you say they- that andy i think i do i think i have read about them i think with references because because you said gordon murray that made me think of it i yeah. think ian callum um has had some cars done by them or he has a car done yes. by them yeah yeah that's what yeah. i've heard of them yeah 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 serious serious bespoke resto modding i suppose yeah yeah but really solid guys they do they do a sort of a weekly sort of run around the workshop showing what they're up to um and they also just started a little series that's on the tools that they use and there was a really interesting one this week and um, they've got a bit of software that they use for cataloging uh the rebuild of the car making sure that you know the things are charged as in monetary wise say a self-tapping screws used how they administer all that and how they record the rebuild of a car so the guys on the floor are taking photos of bits as they do it and it's really interesting bit of software but the way that they put it all together on their little videos is really cool as well lots of learning lots of um yeah, understanding how how to do things right. Yeah, I think it's really good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, Andy. Yeah, sounds good, my man. Retro power cars. If only you'd known about that tool when you started taking your nine nine three apart, you could have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It. yeah, I came up with a very manual way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, it would have been good. Cool. Okay. Well, look, I think that wraps up the first episode of the new series, gents. Yeah, good to be back. Good to be back. It's great yeah. to be back. I'm excited about the season ahead. Yes, definitely. We, there's some amazing stuff there that we've got coming up between now and kind of like Christmas time, really, that, that kind of takes us all the way up to. It does, yeah. Um, yeah, lots of really good stuff, again, that kind of touches uh, all four corners of Porsche car culture, both uh, in the UK and abroad, Andy Brooks, and abroad. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Shall be off to LA soon. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a hell of a trip. I'm excited to yeah. patch you in. Yeah, 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 I've got some some good bits lined up, so let's hope it all comes to fruition. Exactly, and some really exciting guests, you know, we need, uh, you know, a bit of luck to get... Oh, yeah, I'm going to be nabbing nabbing people for future guests, I think. (laughs) Maybe get get a few little chats in here and there, but it'll just be little quick um, box pops, I think, as we call them. Uh, But yeah, let's uh, see if we can line up some some LA guests for the future. Definitely, definitely. California is going to go into hiding (laughs) (laughs) imminently. (laughs) No, it's going to be good. Yeah. And that's, that's one of, uh, we, we won't quite reveal the theme for that just yet. Let's do that later on in the series, but um, yeah, we, we've got some, some awesome stuff coming up rest assured. So thanks as always. Yes. Thanks as always for listening. Thanks to our patrons that really do power this uh, podcast. Yeah. Um, If you'd like to join Andy, do you know where these people can go? Indeed, indeed. Go to um, our Instagram and click on the link. Um, what's it called? The link tree. That's uh, that sort yeah. of thing, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, there's a link there. Or if you go on to our Buzzsprout, um, you know, any of the podcast 
applications um you'll be able to see a link at the bottom there um where you can join up if you'd like to yes and there's also a link as well if you click on any of the podcast episodes on our website at nineworks.co.uk there's a link at the bottom there as well to to sign up and be part of the family and you can get involved with some extra little bits that we do away from the podcast uh one of which is there's a few of us going to brands hatch this weekend as i said to watch the porsche club championship um which yeah should be really good Uh, i think that's about it jen so yeah until next week where we're going motorsport and group c exciting excellent see you next week see you next week this episode was brought to you by our very kind patreons if you enjoy the podcast and would like to join them in supporting us you can do so at patreon.com slash nineworksradio radio